Well, hey, Laurel. Well, hey, John. So, uh, another Friday, another podcast episode. Yep, time to talk about politics news. Um, do you hear something? Uh, who who is it? Behold! Sean? That's right. It is I. Oh my god, Sean, where have you been? You look so haggard. I've been on a journey deep into the heart of political redistricting in Wisconsin, and I've returned to tell the tale. Oh, wow. Well, come inside, and we'll get you some hot tea and a blanket. There's no time! I have to tell you about the maps. Prepare to be regaled. I mean, we were going to do a redistricting update anyway. GOP lawmakers passed their plan this week. You will be regaled! Now, silence. This is the WPR Politics Podcast. I'm Sean Johnson. I'm John K. Wilson. And I'm Laurel White. This week, hark! (laughs) News of redistricting. Well, hey there, Sean. Welcome back, good buddy. It has been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute since I've recorded something so ridiculous <laughs> as part of my job. Thanks for uh, thanks for the script there, John K. Wilson. You're you're welcome anytime. <laughs> I relish the opportunity to uh, take WPR's Sean Johnson from his serious newsman pedestal and have him do something ridiculous. You've done a great job of that over the years. I uh, I salute you. <laughs> I don't know why you're talking about a script. That like actually happened. That oh, was yeah, just a real time right. yeah. recording of you coming back to the podcast and <laughs> yeah. hiding behind a script. Come I, on. I would refer to you to the like the great uh, Sir Ian McKellen explaining his his process <laughs> for acting. How did I know what to say? They had my lines written down on a script. How did I know where to stand? People showed me. <laughs> yep. Acting. Um, well, you're coming back on a day that we are talking about breaking redistricting news, but you have been away for several weeks working on a different project about redistricting. Do you want uh, a chance to to plug that project real quick? Yeah, sure. Go to WPR.org slash mapped out or search for WPR reports mapped out wherever you get your podcast. And uh, I have been working on a, as you have mentioned very kindly on the podcast while I've been gone, I've been working on a documentary style podcast with our colleague Bridget Bowden, all about redistricting. And it's good. We did a good documentary style podcast if you're into that. So go check it out. Um And it will tell you quite a bit about redistricting past in Wisconsin and present and uh, future. It's it's like, uh, you know, a Christmas story for for redistricting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we should have used that as the tagline, you know. That's great, especially for the holiday season. You know, just kind of rebrand it for that, you know. That's right. We'll just do a secondary marketing push. You'll be visited (laughs) by holiday themed. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're all redistricting plans I don't know I haven't worked out the details yet <laughs> well anyway 
the news this week was that both chambers of the state legislature passed, uh, I mean, I should say the Republican majorities in those chambers passed their plan for political maps that they want for the next 10 years. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, sort of gone through some of this stuff, but the news is, you know, they passed, they took the step, and we now have the maps in front of us that we can look at and say, you know, this is what the legislature wants. Yeah, so, okay, I feel like (laughs) this is such a a weird place for me to be in because I just want to, like, kick back and, like, you know... Be like, yeah, this is Sean's thing, and he can talk. But I guess this is a thing let I can't. Yeah, you have been covering it, Laurel. <laughs> right. so, uh, I have been covering. That's true. Um, and this is a question I can answer. Um, so, yes, um, I think the last time we talked about the maps on the podcast, we talked about how Republicans passed a resolution that they wanted the new maps to look. Um, similar to the old maps and kind of set out some other parameters. But uh, since then, you know, we obviously have the actual maps themselves. We've had the hearings. And now, as you mentioned, we've had the floor debate and the votes. So um, it seems like a good time to actually talk about, like you said, what the maps look like, right? Like how they are different, how they are similar, and what sort so of So I want you to describe the shape of each, of each assembly district. and Senate district as was voted on, as well as the uh, congressional districts. We can, like, give them, you know, each shape. Uh, like, that one looks like a uh, muskrat digging a hole or like something. A, like a, a Rorschach test, but for the redistricting. Exactly. Yeah. That probably exists somewhere in the world. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where gerrymandering comes from. I learned this from uh, WPR reports mapped out was that the district looked like a salamander, apparently, with mm-hmm. dragon wings. Right. Um, a guy named Gary. Elbridge uh, Gary. Yep. And his salamander. Good, good job. <laughs> but I would I would stress this. It's not always the shape of the district that is significant. It's, I mean, um, the people who draw maps have access to math and spreadsheets <laughs> and, and very predictable voting <laughs> patterns among um, people today who are more and more polarized than ever. So map drawing can have nice square districts and, and still give one party a very serious political advantage, as we've seen here in, uh, in Wisconsin for the past decade. So I'll do just kind of a quick summary of what these Republican maps would look like and... Sean, jump in if there's anything that you want to add. But I think for the most part, they, you know, stayed true to that resolution that they passed. These new maps are very similar to the old maps. Just kind of like some small little tweaks, like if you changed the color of sprinkles on a Sunday or something. <laughs> like it's they're different, but just a little bit different. Um In the Senate, there are a couple districts in the Milwaukee suburbs that would be a little bit more favorable for Republicans. Um, In the Assembly, I I think it's like I don't I don't even think that there was a particular area where they were changed up a lot. Was there? I feel like I feel like the suburbs is a pretty interesting kind of lens to look at this map through because. 
if you think about where where Democrats actually made gains over the past decade, there were not many places in Wisconsin where it happened, but they did make gains in the suburbs, which kind of checks out with, you know, Donald Trump struggling with suburban voters and, you know, are the wow counties the same as they used to be? Um, and, you know, so Democrats won some seats there. And you had uh, a state Senate seat there, Dale Coinga's state Senate seat, which has become very competitive all of a sudden, which is kind of amazing that I think 10 years ago, if you would have said, yeah, there will be a really competitive, this is where the the fight will be fought is in these suburbs here. You might not have um, thought that was going to be the case, but that is where Democrats have seen gains. So what this map it did you know, just oversimplifying it, is it made Dale Coinga's Senate seat quite a bit more Republican. And in the process, you know, took uh, a couple of the, the assembly seats there and uh, like Robin Vining's assembly seat, she was the first Democrat to win, uh, to flip a seat under this map in 2018, made her seat dramatically more Democratic. And at the same time, um, took Representative Sarah Rodriguez, uh, her seat, a Democratic seat, made it more Republican, and made Joe Sanfilippo's Republican, uh, a Republican from New Berlin, made his seat, which was getting very competitive, made it a lot more Republican. So it's just, there's an example of kind of the trade-offs that map makers make. They say, okay, Robin Vining, we're not going to get you. We're we're going to let you have this very safe Democratic seat. And the trade-off for Republicans is Joe Sanfilippo's seat is safe. Sarah Rodriguez's seat, probably not going to be winnable by Democrats. And Republicans can hold on to that Senate seat that is currently held by Dale Coinga, given, you know, your typical election year. And I feel like I should just jump in real quick to say if you're n totally new to redistricting, if this happens to be your first episode of this podcast that you're diving into, uh, maybe go back and listen to some old ones. But the reason that they're changing the maps at all is because of the U.S. Census. People move around, populations change, and so it's not like they can keep the exact same maps as 10 years ago, but really the idea for Republicans here is we're going to make some tiny tweaks like you were describing to keep as much potential power as they can based on these new numbers from, you know, people actually moving. Yes. Yeah. The, the state constitution tells, says the legislature shall district anew. What's the exact wording, but they, they, they have to do it, but then it's an opportunity for whoever is drawing the maps to draw maps that they like. And this is my job here. I have nothing substantive to offer. So I just, you know, uh, make sure we have the very basic information covered. <laughs> oh, John, you do much more than that. You know, <laughs> you are our heart uh -huh. and soul. You write the scripts. We, the thunder. None of this is scripted, okay? <laughs> right, right, right. It's just like Survivor and the real world and the Bachelor, mm -hmm. Bachelorette franchise. Yep. Uh, We're on a journey. It's as real as you get. Very real. Very real. <laughs> We're on a journey to find love <laughs> and maps. And district lines. So, yeah. So speaking of district lines, I do want to talk about one one other thing about kind of the, the actual map proposals, and that is the congressional map. 
They obviously voted on the state legislative district map, but state lawmakers draw the congressional map too. And um, that one is also pretty similar. The new proposal is pretty similar to the existing congressional map. But there is one thing that I think is pretty notable, um, and that has to do with Wisconsin's most competitive congressional district. That's the third congressional district on the western side of the state, currently represented by Democrat Ron Kind, who's not going to run for re-election after 25 years in office, so expecting a really competitive race in that district next year. Uh, What Democrats have done is basically, with this proposal, carved the city of Stevens Point out of the third and given it to the seventh. Wait, did you just say Democrats? Did I say Democrats? I think so. I'm a hot mess. I meant meant Republicans, (laughs) if so. (laughs) Republicans. I don't know. Sorry. That's okay. No. I see this is real time. This is real time checking of Laurel's brain, which is always necessary. So what Republicans have done is basically carved the city of Stevens Point out of the 3rd Congressional District, given it to the 7th Congressional District, which is just north of it and goes into northern Wisconsin. I'm making so many gestures. I'm tracing the state of Wisconsin (laughs) podcast. Y'all can't see it. This is why we should do a a video version of this. Right. That's exactly what the people want and need. (laughs) This video of me drawing the state of Wisconsin with my fingers. I talk about the 3rd and the 7th. So what they're doing here is because the third is seen as so competitive, they're carving this kind of liberal leaning community of Stevens Point out, giving it to the seventh, which they see as more um, favorable for Republicans, can sort of absorb that community without threatening the Republican incumbent, uh, which is Tom Tiffany. And... uh, it's just it's really interesting because actually Stevens Point has been sort of moved back and forth between the seventh and the third before. Um, so just kind of a a little note there. I think that that's um, that's interesting. But aside from that, not a huge number of changes to the congressional plan. But I mean, big picture, it sets up a world where in this fifty fifty state, Wisconsin would have likely six of its eight congressional seats Republican, which is pretty noteworthy. And I think what Republicans would say is that, well, you know, Democrats have a political geography problem. Six of the eight seats would be Republican because Democrats are so packed into Madison and Milwaukee and cities and not spread out. But there are definitely ways you could draw it like a 4-4 uh, you could draw like a 4-4 map. It just involves making sacrifices elsewhere, you know? Like if you put Madison into two congressional districts, for example, you could get a 4-4 map. Um, that involves splitting a community of interest, but, uh, you know, these are the kinds of decisions that are made all the time, is like uh, if you keep Madison all in one, it doesn't let Democrats kind of spread that power elsewhere. So I'm going to try to use that as a uh, clunky segue to get back towards talking about the news of the week specifically. The maps that passed were decidedly not that more evenly split scenario like you were just talking. It was the partisan slanted GOP maps that passed. There was 
an alternate set of maps that was more evenly split. And those would be maps that came from a commission that Governor Coney Evers set up months ago. The maps they proposed were slightly still tilted towards Republicans, but much, much more even, generally. Those maps came up for discussion on the floor, and all along we thought that it was sort of a foregone conclusion that Republican maps would go forward, these maps from the Governor's Commission wouldn't, and that's what happened. But there was some interesting and unexpected disagreement about the governor's maps there that I think is important and interesting to maybe get into a little bit. I think Sean and I haven't had this happen for a long time where we both like we both open our mouths to speak at the same time because we haven't yeah, both been here. Yeah, because Sean hasn't been here. <laughs> but I won. <laughs> Sean's just nice. I just there's a He's lag on nice. there's a lag on my Zoom. I, I, I was I was talking, you just didn't know. I was just gonna say that the debate about the governor's um, the People's Maps Commission maps, which is the commission that the governor created, and the maps that it produced. Uh, I think the first sign that this was going to be an interesting debate was the fact that um, the proposal. To, to talk about the, these maps on the floor, the introduction of these People's Maps Commission maps didn't come from Democrats. It actually came from the Republican leaders in both chambers. Senator Devin Lemahue, the majority leader, introduced them in the Senate. And it was Speaker Voss in the Assembly, right, Sean, that actually introduced the amendment to That's talk right. about the yeah. People's Maps Commission maps. So it's it was sort of like uh, Republicans were saying, hey, Let's talk about and consider these these Democratic maps. Uh, Which for months they've been saying is a complete non-starter. That right? they don't like, yeah. So why would they be eager to have a debate about these maps on the floor? Well, it's because they knew that there are some conflicting Democratic opinions about these maps. And it doesn't necessarily make the governor look very good. Do you think that's a safe assessment, Sean? I think so. I, it was, for me, especially pronounced in the assembly, where you yeah. had you had 17 Democrats joining all Republicans to vote against the People's Maps Commission legislative maps. That's really significant. And it wasn't just that they voted against them. You had some very... Um, emotional, lengthy speeches on the assembly floor from uh, black and uh, Latina lawmakers talking about how they felt that the People's Map Commission uh, reduced the number of, you know, minority seats in the legislature, likely, or like the, the number of seats where... Uh, You'd have a majority-minority district. Um, I mean, I, I actually I, I can't really recall off the top of my head a speech like I heard from, like we heard from um, Sylvia Ortiz Velez, who it was was giving her first speech on the assembly floor, and was I I, I mean extremely critical of the People's Maps Commission. Um, I mean, she's saying that 
She's saying that the People's Maps Commission is part of a national agenda to, uh, you know, reduce minority representation in order to increase, or you know, reducing minor, majority minority districts to um, create Democratic seats. So there's a lot to unpack there. Like, what is she saying, basically? I think when you talk about majority minority seats and the requirements of the Federal Voting Rights Act, you have to create seats where uh, black and Latino voters have a chance to elect their candidate of choice. So you have to hit kind of like a, I'm not going to be able to recite the numbers or the percentages right now because they haven't dug into it. And this hasn't been in court yet this year, but you you need to hit certain percentages of minority representation so where they can be sure that if a black or Latino candidate were to run, they would have an opportunity to elect them. So think about what that means in practice. You are talking about uh, if you adhere to this law, you are kind of talking about packing legislative seats with black and Latino voters who overwhelmingly vote Democratic. So you're sort of packing these seats in order to uh, follow the Federal Voting Rights Act with Democratic voters. So in politically speaking, the Voting Rights Act can, in a way, favor Republicans. Okay, they're they're essentially it's a federal law saying you have to pack these seats with voters who are in practice Democrats. Now, what so what like the People's Maps Commission did was spread those voters out among more districts and create um, opportunity districts, I think, is the word that they used for black and Latino voters. But what you're doing in practice is lowering the percentages of those voters in those districts and reducing the likelihood that you will send uh, a black person or a Latino person to the legislature. This is all assuming that the presumably the white people that live in that new district aren't going to vote for the black or Latino candidate. Right, right. Um, and this is something that was, you know, litigated the last time Wisconsin did redistricting. Republicans drew two districts where they said two assembly districts where Republicans contended we have drawn these so you can have two Latino candidates win in these races. And Democrats challenged that map and said, no, what you've done is you've lowered the number of uh, Latinos who live in these districts to a level to where they can't be guaranteed to elect their candidate of choice. And that was actually the Democrats or Democratic groups uh, actually won that lawsuit. It was like the only change that they made to the last map is, um, you know, they sued on the Voting Rights Act and they won. So it will be, it's like, um, you know, we're not there yet. These maps that Republicans drew have just passed. Um, and the People's Maps Commission maps failed. But the way they failed to have Democrats stand up and really take the governor to task uh, for, um, you know, there was a, there was one point where, uh, representative Ortiz Velez stood up and said, uh, you know, that the governor's or the executive needed to be more respective of the legislative branch 
said, we have to remind ourselves that we are the legislative branch. We are a separate but equal branch. Who do you hear saying that all the time? Assembly Speaker Robin, Robin Boss. Boss. Yeah, like the governor's nemesis, basically. And here is an Assembly Democrat standing up and making Robin Boss's point while he sits back and listens to the debate. Right, and and basically, it, it, I think she said something along the lines of that the governor's administration was gaslighting and ignoring yes. lawmakers. Yeah, she did. Like I said, every... I, I mean, there were just multiple points during this speech where... You know, my jaw would just kind of like hitting the ground here. This is this is um, I feel like these are really tricky issues here because, you know, that for for Democrats, maybe it is in their best interest to say we're going to we're going to spread these voters out among more districts in order to create more Democratic seats. But Representative Ortiz Velez Representative uh, Myers from Milwaukee, uh, a black representative from Milwaukee, said, you can't do this. You know, you we're, we're not going to stand for it if you um, reduce the likelihood that you're going to have, you know, black people and Latinos in this body speaking for for us. So it's a, it's like a really tricky issue for Democrats. So these maps, though, are basically, you know, the Democratic governor's baby here. What have we heard from him so far about this disagreement? We haven't heard from the governor yet. We did hear from the governor's spokesperson, um, Britt Kudabak, who said that, uh, for one, that uh, the literal point of a nonpartisan redistricting commission is for the outcome not to be determined by sitting elected officials. So this kind of response to legislators saying we should have had more of a say in this, um, you know, the governor's office is saying the point of our commission is to take this out of your hands, basically. The other thing is that the governor's office said the Voting Rights Act is an essential part of our democracy. Complying with the Voting Rights Act is required by law, was part of the commission's charge, and we believe the commission's maps achieved that goal. And I, I guess I would just say that to me, a non-lawyer, that is always going to be something that is haggled over in court and decided by federal judges and is not like a clear-cut case, you know, as in, in my book. And you have heard other Democrats coming out and saying this, that, you know, Representative Ortiz Velez was wrong, that, that she misunderstands the Voting Rights Act. So you have, you know, disagreement among Democrats, whereas very unified force among Republicans as they uh, were happy with the way that debate went yesterday. So that's all some of the interesting and unexpected sort of nuanced stuff that came up when the legislature took up these plans. But at the end of the day, we are still kind of where we thought we were going to be. Republican maps moved forward out of the legislature, are headed to the governor, and while, you know, depending on when you listen to this podcast, he may have vetoed them already. Right now, he has not, but he's promised to do so. What, with that in mind, what comes next? Yes. So we expect the governor to veto the maps. We don't know exactly what the timeline on that is going to look like. Uh, when he does, that will officially move the process to the courts. And as I think we mentioned in the last redistricting episode we did, Many moons ago, before Sean Johnson came back to us, uh, there are 
two redistricting lawsuits, one in state court and one in federal court that are sort of, I don't, I don't know, competing, maybe. I don't yeah. know. There are questions of jurisdiction, who's going to take this case, the state or the federal courts. Um, and so we're going to see kind of how that plays out. Um, the The federal court doesn't have anything scheduled until January, I believe. Is that right, Sean? Well, the way they left it, was they, they did, they were at one point saying, we're going to move ahead with this trial. And then they decided to leave, they, they decided to stand, stand by. Stand down. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, wait for the legislature and the governor and the state Supreme Court to do what they're going to do. So I think they're giving the state Supreme Court the chance, if justices want to, to resolve this, but the federal court could at any point step in and say, you're taking too long. Um, and we, a federal court have a long history of dealing with redistricting and we're going to take care of, take it over now. And then you, then you really have a argument over jurisdiction and everything. But I think as of right now, like they're leaving it for the state Supreme court to, to deal with this. And the state Supreme court has said they're interested in taking, they, they've agreed to take the case. They have, but we, but they, we don't know how they feel about, you know, drawing maps or like how they, how they think it should be resolved. I think, I feel mm -hmm. like this whole, this whole like year of redistricting, what ifs could have just been solved if uh, Justice Brian Hagedorn would t just tell us all like, so what are you going to, what are you going to do Justice Hagedorn? <laughs> like what's on your mind? Because you have a four, three conservative majority in the Supreme court. Um, you know, the, the three liberal justices think this should be in federal court. And, um, you know, the, the only justice who's given any indication that he would kind of, I guess, be persuadable on something like this would be Justice Hagedorn. So it kind of might, you know, from my perspective, it all boils down to him. So they've agreed to take the case. Is the way that this plays out, because you said they've agreed to take it, but we still don't know exactly how they would handle that. Is it possible that they take the case, the arguments are essentially, the Republicans who brought the case there are arguing, you you guys should do this. You guys should draw these maps. So they, are, they hear the arguments and then they say, actually, we don't think we should. And then that's when it would get kicked. Well, there's there's similar them. themes in the lawsuit in state Supreme Court to what you're hearing from Republican legislators. And that is they all want to leave the current maps alone as much as possible, basically. You know, the, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty will lawsuit is is basically telling the court change as little as possible. The legislature mm -hmm. is billing their map as a least changes map, even though it does make some changes that do favor Republicans there. So once this gets there, those those messages are going to kind of converge and they're going to urge the court just to prove the map that we drew. Um, the court has said, you know, earlier this year, it was then Chief Justice Patience Rogensack says, you know, we don't want to get in the business of map drawing. Well, Republicans are going to say, you don't have to just to prove our map, you know? We got this great map <laughs> got, that we drew. Yeah, and so then you're going to have competing parties saying, actually, if you're just going to approve a map, why don't you look at this one? We think this one is better. 
I would say the people's map would be one of those options that they'd be asking judges to approve, um, which is why it's significant when you have Democrats on the floor saying, we don't want this map. So then how could it potentially get kicked back up to federal court then? Well, is I guess if the Supreme Court rules. Sorry, Sean. Um, no, can I make a guess? Why don't you go? Then... Why don't you go? Yeah. <laughs> OK, this is totally my guess <laughs> based on what I know and what you've told me and what. Yeah. Is it that if the Supreme Court, if the state Supreme Court rules that they don't want to pick a map and they don't want to draw a map that they sh- essentially shouldn't be involved? Is that kind of is that what would be necessary to get the federal court involved? I think that could be. I want to say I want to say from the outset here, like that this is the first Wisconsin redistricting uh, fight that I have covered where there's split government. And I also want to say, like the state Supreme Court has not resolved redistricting in Wisconsin since 1964. So I just like I to I don't want to sit here and say, like, I know what the state Supreme Court will do and how this will all end, because like I I don't. But, you know, if I, I, like back in 2002, I think there was a state Supreme Court case. And then the justices said, look, we just don't we're just not set up to handle redistricting uh, right now. And they, they set up a study panel to look at how they might handle redistricting in the future. And, um, you know, it it like we're conservatives got a majority on the court and Republicans won the legislature and the governor's office. So it kind of just got uh, set aside. But at that time they said, oh, we just can't do this. And then the federal court took it in 2002. So that could happen this time. Or the current group of four conservative justices could say, actually we got this. Well, after all that and your time away, Sean, I think we can boil it down to say you did a lot of talking, but really, we still don't know where anything is going. <laughs> sounds, Welcome back, sounds like buddy. another episode of the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, sounds like our life. <laughs> well, Sean Johnson is WPR's Capitol Bureau Chief. Laura White is WPR's Capitol Reporter. You forgot you had to do that, didn't you? <laughs> I had to think about it a second. <laughs> and John K. Wilson is our resident politics nerd. Hark! Stranger, do you enjoy Wisconsin politics news? Well, you can receive new episodes nigh every single week when you subscribe to the WPR Politics Podcast. It's available on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. And you can spread the word far and wide when you leave a rating or review of the show. You can also catch up on the saga of our past episodes anytime by visiting wpr.org slash politicspodcast.